The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll and get ready to laugh or groan at the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling. I uh, hope everybody's doing good there. Um, listen, it was raining really, really hard, really, um, really hard. The guy hears uh, his door pounding downstairs. Bound, 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 knock, knock, knock. Guy gets up out of bed, goes downstairs, answers the door and some guy suspect looking i need a push uh the guy um answering the door the guy's house he, he slams the door he's like fuck this goes back upstairs um crawls in bed next to his wife his wife you know waking up it's like three in the morning here uh what's going on oh, this guy downstairs pounding on the door in the middle of the night wants a push and i was like no and she's like kind of uh, so disappointed. You're like, you got to do the Christian thing and go help out your fellow man here, you know? And, okay, you're right. You know what? Uh, he gets a coat on. He goes back downstairs and uh, opens the door. The guy's not there. And, and um, hey, where'd you go? He yells out the door, kind of comes out on the porch. I'm back here at the swings. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> wow. Duff went a long way for that one. Uh, but thank you, Duff. Uh, he sends every Friday a joke without fail. No matter where in the world he is, Duff and Guns N' Roses are actually in Wellington, New Zealand right now, playing Auckland tomorrow night on Saturday, then headed home for the holidays after a very long tour. Of course, I saw Duff in uh, Melbourne, uh, Australia, just uh, a week or so ago, and he's just, well, just a great guy. So thanks to Duff, and thanks to all of you. Fozzie is home, like I said, after our amazing Australian tour. We had some great sold-out shows with our buddies in Buck Cherry. We're getting ready to hit the road again in the States starting March 23rd in Bloomington, Illinois. All dates and ticket information at FozzyRock.com. You can also see Fozzie on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, the Four Leaf Clover. We set sail February 2nd. The lineup on this ship is stacked. Uh, you got to see uh, the AEW roster that's on here. It is incredible. The Guns, the Swerve Strickland, Jade Cargill, Eddie Kingston, uh, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, um, The Acclaimed. I mean, come on. Jericho Appreciation Society, Top Flight, Danhausen. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And we're also going to have the inaugural crowning of the Jericho Cruise Oceanic Champion. 
Uh, we got comedy, music, live podcast. Dave Schrader's Paranormal 60 is going to be there. And we're going to our own private island for the first time ever from Miami to Great Stirrup K. Book your cabin now at ChrisJericho.com. There's 0% financing available. Uh, go see all of the deals that you can get. And it's perfect uh, present for Christmas, don't you think? Uh, today on the show, I'm doing it solo on Talk is Jericho. It's been such an incredible year for me in wrestling. A lot of people are saying it's been a career year of mine. I thought I'd talk about some of my favorite matches, actually all the matches that I've had. Uh, when you think about it, the year actually started with my pulmonary embolism and uh, thinking that my wrestling career might be done and then ended up with having this barn burner uh, five-star match with Ishii. So to start from the beginning, uh, to get healthy, drop that weight, get back in the ring, it's crazy to think uh, what this year ended up being. Uh, 26 matches at the time I recorded this. Probably the most four-star, four-and-three-quarter, five-star matches I've had in a single year uh, in, a, in a long time, if ever. And the most different styles of matches I've had in a single year as well. I'm going to break down the biggest ones and my favorites. I'm going to be talking about the creation of the Wizard, the uh, of course, the creation of the Jericho Appreciation Society, working with Eddie Kingston for a, a lengthy time, working with the Blackpool Combat Club, talking about blood and guts, barbed wire everywhere, uh, anarchy in the arena quake by the lake against moxley uh, so many great matches with bandito of course and with ishii like i mentioned i had a great one with dalton castle uh, brian danielson so so many awesome matches this year uh, i'm going to go through all of those with you in what could be considered a career year for me in 2022 at 51 years old so yeah i'm still rolling i'm still uh still rolling keep it rolling here we go Jericho's career year in 2022, right here, right now, on Talk is Jericho. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. I'm coming to you from a high-rise hotel here in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, day off on the Fozzie and Ozzy 2022 tour. And I wanted to do a podcast, kind of a year in review, uh, of my AEW matches in said 2022 because a lot of people are thinking and saying that this is kind of a career year for me, uh, a little bit of a career resurgence, which at 51 and 52 years old is kind of cool to hear. Um, obviously, a hater is going to hate, and there's nothing I could ever do to change that. But for me, I think this really is one of the best years of my career, which is pretty crazy when you consider that I started in 1990. Um, I think I had a great year in 1995. I think I had a great year in 1998, um, 2008, 2016. Uh, those are big years for me. And here we are now in 2022. And I don't think anybody really expected this to be such a huge year for me. Um, the last match I had on Dynamite uh, a week ago was against Tomohiro Ishii which was, in my opinion, one of my favorite matches I've ever had. And some people, including the illustrious Dave Meltzer, uh, said it is the best match I've had of the year. Um, now, if you go by star ratings, what does a star rating really mean? Um, you know, that's just one guy's opinion, and, and I have my opinion. And it is cool, though, when you have an expert like Dave Meltzer, and, and obviously you take the good and the bad with Dave. He's been on Talk as Jericho many times, a great guest. But when you get the experts kind of saying, listen, this is a career year. There's been a lot of great matches and a lot of different styles. Now, obviously, if I didn't feel the same, I wouldn't be doing this, this podcast today. Now, if I didn't feel that way, 
I wouldn't do the podcast either. I've always been the type of guy that knows if it's a good match or a bad match as soon as it's finished by the way that I feel. I don't have to go on Twitter or go on to the dirt sheets and read. Now, do I look at them? Of course. Of course I do. You're crazy in 2022 to not do that. But you got to take it with a grain of salt. Because like I always say, the people that say you're the greatest thing ever, you can't take that too seriously. Because there's just as many people who are saying you're the worst thing ever. Retire, die. <laughs> so you kind of got to take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. Then you have the facts of life. And I ain't talking about Lisa Welchell. Wow, that's obscure. So obviously this year started um, when I was recovering from the pulmonary embolism, which I had December 8th in the UK. That's been documented many times. And then once I got back to the States after being stuck in the UK for almost a week, I had to start getting everything together. So that's when I started getting all the tests. And you guys know that story, which led to me having a clean bill of health right now and losing 30 pounds. Um, but all of that was tied into the pulmonary embolism and I did have to lose some weight and I also wasn't allowed to wrestle for a while. And this was by verdict of the, uh, the blood clot doctor. I can't remember what you call that. The, whatever the doctor's name was, the pulmonary pulmonologist, I guess it would be. So the beginning of the year, I wasn't allowed to wrestle. And it's funny because if you guys remember the Eddie Kingston story, we were talking about the, the, the initiation of the Jericho Appreciation Society was that I was supposed to have a match with Eddie and then we were maybe thinking about maybe being a tag team or whatever it may be. And I'm not going to tell that story again. But in January of 2022, I was on Dynamite. I returned, but I wasn't allowed to wrestle. I was still kind of healing. And I remember asking my doctor, Dr. Shaw in Tampa, you know, what's the time frame on this? Is mid-February going to work? And asking uh, Dr. Sampson with AEW and... Basically, all of the signs were looking good that the condition was getting better, the blood clots were getting smaller, and more importantly, my dosages of Eliquis, which was the blood thinner that I was taking, were getting smaller as well. And I was doing a lot of research at the time about um, NBA players and NFL players that, that play on blood thinners and realizing that you can still professionally play, you just have to be careful. Because it's not the fact you might get cut open and bleed because your blood is so thin. It's the fact that your blood is so thin inside your body as well. So you could have you know, some brain issues or have internal bleeding or hemorrhaging or that sort of a thing. So in all of January, the only match that I had, basically the first match of the year, uh, and when I say match of the year, I mean the first match of 2022, was on Dynamite. January 26 in Cleveland, Ohio. And that was with Santana and Ortiz versus 2.0 and Garcia. And this is the one where Santana and Ortiz were angry at me because of what Eddie Kingston said, that maybe I was the reason why they weren't the tag team champions. And they refused to tag me in, which was funny because that was something I was going to do with Eddie Kingston, which stemmed from an issue, a real life issue I had with CM Punk probably about 10 years ago when he got mad at me and didn't want to tag me in, in a match. I talked about that in the, the complete list of Jericho. And I always kept it in the back of my head. Well, what if your partner just refused to tag you in? So we did that with Santana Ortiz to, to advance the story. And meanwhile, I didn't even tag in. So it was a match, but because I wasn't allowed to tag in, I wasn't allowed to do anything physical. I think I just did something for the finish to hit Daddy Magic, who was just in Matt, Matt Lee back then. It's so crazy to think about Matt Lee and Jeff Parker. Oh my gosh. What jobber names, right? In comparison to Daddy Magic, Matt Menard, and Cool Hand Ange, Angela Parker. So anyways, that was kind of the start of it. 
Uh, I did not do anything. I just was talking about the story. And then we go to Dynamite on February 16th in Nashville with Hager versus Santana Ortiz. And that was my official first match back. And I remember that's when I kind of unveiled the new body because I wasn't taking like thirst trap pictures and showing my weight loss. And it went fast because I started doing the weight loss at the beginning of January. And by the mid-February, I was already down, I think, 15 pounds or even 20 at that point. You could really tell. Uh, and I, I just remember I was so excited to be back. And I remember the match was good, but I was just more happy to know that I could wrestle again. Because think about that was two months after the, the embolism. And when it happened, I didn't know if I'd ever be able to wrestle again. So it was great to be back in the ring, which, of course, was leading up to March 6th in Orlando at Revolution versus Eddie Kingston. And this was one of the first kind of matches of the year for me. I think Dave uh, Meltzer gave it four and three quarter stars, which to him, he says it's the same as five. To me, it's as five as, as, as a five star match you can get. Um, once again, never wrestled with Eddie ever. And we just had amazing, amazing chemistry. And that's when I was like, I just want to start this match off with, with Eddie dumping me on my head with like a really vicious, you know, cyto suplex. And that's what happened. And I remember I was really worried about that. Like, you know, obviously knowing you're going to get dumped on your head, not the uh, coolest of, of thoughts and ideas, but um, it really grabbed the crowd's attention because we started the show that, uh, that, that day. And I remember we just had a tremendous match. Um, very strong style and he ended up uh, he beat me with the stretch plum which was a surprise because i don't think he'd use that on a finish at least at a major level and once again the idea was going to be at that point originally that eddie and i would shake hands you won the big one and then would have mutual respect and maybe team with with moxley as well but of course the next week after that was when we were in fort myers and did the whole jericho appreciation society turn um, but but basically that first match with Eddie Kingston, I mean, we had the kind of the warm up match with with Jake versus Santana Ortiz. But the Eddie was the one where I was like, I'm back, and I felt like a whole new guy because I, I had lost some weight, but more importantly, I had real no pun intended appreciation for wrestling. Didn't didn't want to take it for granted, which I, th I think I was. And being 30 pounds lighter, once again, it was like imagine wrestling a match with a 30 pound weight belt on and i got to take that off in this match with eddie kingston so it really was kind of the dawning of this new era and did i think oh you're gonna have a career year no but it sure was a great start and a great match and i think at the time a lot of people saying it was my best aew match ever and at that point it might have been so it was a real cool way to kind of come storming into 2022 with this new attitude and this new image and this new storyline, which kind of reinvigorated everything. Then we go to Dynamite on March 23rd in Austin, Texas, with Danny Garcia versus Silver and Reynolds. I remember it was the main event of Dynamite, I believe. First time I ever tagged with Danny. And um, I think the idea was we were kind of getting ready for um, just building this story with, with, with the five of us versus the three of them. The Blackpool Combat Club had just started with the idea of we'll do kind of a amalgamation and that'll be the five on five for Blood and Guts. We'd already started thinking about that back back in uh, in March. And working with Silver and Reynolds was fun. I remember uh, Johnny Hungy, we had him do a really great one. He has those awesome comebacks like Claudio Castagnoli does where he hits this guy and uppercuts that guy and dives on this guy and jumps on that guy. And it was kind of a really cool 
uh, match for them. Kind of a, a great uh, showcase moment for for those two guys, and especially for Johnny Hungy. Then we go into April 13th with Danny Garcia and Jake Hager versus Kingston Ortiz and Santana in New Orleans. And I mean, that one was once again, just kind of a, a brawl to kind of set the tone, which led to the, the uh, fireball angle, which of course started the whole wizard thing. And that was um, an idea that Eddie Kingston had because he had seen it, I believe in Puerto Rico or something. He wanted to be hit with a fireball and I was like, all right, well, let's see if we can figure that out. And we did. And that started a whole new gimmick. And once again, these things just happen because you are, like I always say, letting the story lead you and not manipulating the story itself. So we had a lot of really great ideas and thoughts that came from that uh, backstage beating that kind of led us to where we went for the next part of the story. So then we had uh, a single match with Santana uh, in Baltimore because I wanted to work with Santana and Ortiz because I had so much history with them. Another really great match that I enjoyed. And it's funny because all of these matches so far, if you're going by the Meltzer star ratings, like, you know, Eddie Kingston, like I said, four and three quarters. Uh, the silver one was three and a half stars. So that was a low one for me. The uh, the Jericho, Danny Garcia, Jake Hager, Eddie Kingston, Ortiz, Santana, four stars. Santana one didn't get rated, but to me, that was probably another four-star one as well. Had a great match with Santana, very talented. And it was fun for me to work with Santana and Ortiz as singles. Um, Because once again, there's such a story with us and so much uh, going on between us at the time. Uh, And then there we go, man. That led us to Double or Nothing, which was the anarchy in the arena in Las Vegas. And what a crazy spectacle that was, which rated a five-star rating from Dave Meltzer. Wow, my second ever five-star, according to him. Kenny Omega at the Tokyo Dome and the other one. But he's like, what about, you know, Eddie Kingston? Or what about Ishii? Or what about Bandito? Or Moxley, Quake by the Lake? We'll get to those. Or how about versus Shawn Michaels' ladder match? Just one <laughs> the match of the year. Or Jericho and Benoit versus uh, Triple H and Austin. Once again. You, you can't uh, live or die by the star ratings, but it is fun to debate. But Anarchy in the Arena, such a great spectacle with the Jericho Appreciation Society back when there was only five of us, uh, Angelo Parker, Danny Garcia, Jake Hager, and Matt Menard. Uh, and that was against Danielson, Eddie Kingston, Moxley, Ortiz, and Santana. Uh, and, you know, we've told that story too about how we got there and it reminded me of the first Elimination Chamber. You can't go back and watch any other Elimination Chambers because there hasn't been one. You know, the first Money in the Bank, there hadn't been one. The first Mimosa Mayhem that we had. The first Stadium Stampede. And, of course, Anarchy in the Arena was was the the evolution of the Stadium Stampede. We actually had a full crowd back in Las Vegas. And what a show we gave them that was – talk about Anarchy. It was absolutely insane. And that's when uh, Jake and I beat Brian Danielson, who then was hurt after that. The story continues, though, on Dynamite in June – um, June 15th, that was a hair versus hair versus Ortiz, which had one of my all time favorite false finishes. Ready Kingston came in and hit me with a hurricane, and Ortiz came over and covered me. And I'll tell you what, those people in St. Louis were convinced I was going to lose my hair, convinced I was going to lose, uh, lose it all. And I actually even had, if you remember, Ortiz cut some of my hair in Los Angeles, which gave me kind of a weird hairstyle for a while, but that's what I'm willing to do to get the angle over it. Actually cut some of my hair off and I'm smiling as I say this, cause it was such a fun angle and such a fun match, but 
uh, once again, working with Ortiz. Santana Ortiz are such a great tag team. And will they team again? I don't know. But as singles, they're both just really great performers. Very creative, very um, hard-hitting, charismatic. And, you know, I enjoyed the Santana match as much as I enjoyed the Ortiz match. They were both such a lot of fun and just a, a great time to you know, work with these guys that we had been in so many matches together in tags and stadium stampedes, but to do the one-on-one with them was amazing. I thought the hair versus hair match was a, a perfect example of uh, just an excellent, excellent match with, like I said, one of the greatest false finishes possibly in AEW history. And we'll be back uh, to talk some more of my favorite matches uh, after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, back with the year in review 2022 chris jericho my matches that i had in this career year of mine continuing on to june 22nd now we got the build to the forbidden door pay-per-view and this was a uh, match with uh, uh lance archer versus moxley and tanahashi and that was um i remember this one was kind of funny because it was the one that ended we something went wrong where guys were kind of jumping the gun on some of the submissions that we had and that sort of thing. And we ended up finishing up, I think three minutes early and that's where Tanahashi and Mox had to stare at each other for an unsurmountable amount of time. And that's the reason why it's live TV. And we just, it's hard to orchestrate a tag match when I was like, you know, don't come in. Are you coming too early? And it's like, you know, and Tana is in there and he, he just kind of like the, the timing just wasn't there. So that's why those guys were staring at each other. Uh, that was just more of a kind of a just action back tag match similar to the one that I had with the Silver and Reynolds, kind of around the same rating there. But then we go to Forbidden Door, which was uh, Sammy Guevara, Minoru Suzuki versus Eddie Kingston, Yuta Wheeler, and Shota Umino. And that was in Chicago on uh, June 26th. And what a match that was. Another four and three quarter star match, according to Dave Meltzer. And the thing I loved about that one is, is, we had the story put together and, you know, we just kind of sat down. A lot of times I'll do some research before a match to kind of see what I'm thinking about. This one, you can't really do research because, you know, Suzuki's in it, Umino's in it. And uh, we just sat in a room and, and came up with this idea. And, man, it ended up being probably the best match of the night. And that's a, a, a night when you had Mox versus Tanahashi and Claudio versus Zack Sabre Jr. So it just was a really, really cool you didn't expect it to be as good as it was. And once again, we started off the show in Chicago and anytime you can start off the show, it always adds an extra bit of crowd enthusiasm to it, but it was awesome. Did the thing with Umino because uh, at the Tokyo dome against Kenny, I put him in the walls of Jericho in front of his own father. Of course, his red shoes. Uh, if you know the history of red shoes and I, we go back to 1994 together with WAR. So um, there's a lot of history there. And then of course, afterwards throw the fireball in his face and, you know, maybe a future Tokyo Dome match for sure, possibly. But it was a, a, a very, very cool night and a cool match. And once again, sometimes 
you put a lot of pressure on yourself to have a great match at the time. You just show up and go with the flow and whatever happens, happens. And that's what happened that night. But in the same week, another four and three quarter star match. <laughs> the uh, Blood and Guts that was in Detroit on June 29th. And of course, that was... Um, and, and I forgot to mention too, the Ortiz match is when Sammy Guevara joined the Jericho Appreciation Society and, and Ty Mello. So now there's six of us. And like I said, we're coming come like the Rolling Stones. We got a couple of chicks in there. We got six guys now. So the blood and guts was Claudio, Eddie Kingston, Moxley, Ortiz, uh, Santana, and Wheeler Yuta uh, against Ange. Um, once again, against the Jericho Appreciation Society, you know the six guys in there, and that was the second match Claudio had ever had, and he was taking down Brian Danielson's place because Brian was hurt. And what another complete spectacle, obviously, with the famous Claudio giving me the giant swing on top of the cage, which he wasn't sure if he could do because the middle of the cage had a lot of uh, different sections where the, the the place where he could do it was the side of the cage near the edge. I said, "We'll just do it there." And like I mentioned, if it was anybody else, I would have been terrified and probably wouldn't have even went for it. But I knew I could trust Claudio literally with my life. Uh, and we, when, and, you know, watching it back, it's like he had me in such control, but up there doing it and just seeing like these rows of people down to the ground, you know, 30 feet below. I was like, stop, stop. I can't take it anymore. I think we stopped after seven or eight spins and it felt like 50. But um, just a- another really cool match just batshit crazy and, and and wild and that was the one where claudio um got the tap out on, on on daddy magic and kind of thwarted eddie kingston on that one which led to barbed wire everywhere which was the blow off of eddie kingston and i which i think the story had gone eight months or something like that at that point in time and this was a really good match but we got cut short at the end which was kind of a drag Super violent, lots of uh, gimmicks and barbed wire, barbed wire everywhere. We once again created our own match, like Stadium Stampede or Anarchy in the Arena. But we were getting rushed at the end. Once again, it's live TV, and some other people might have gone long in their segments, whatever it was. And I think we only had 13, 14 minutes to go through all this thing. And then for me, because Punk was the champ, and then he got hurt, and then Tony wanted Mox and I to work for the title, so I couldn't lose that match because I'm 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 challenging for for the championship. Had I not been challenging for the championship, Eddie probably would have won, but he still got the moral victory when he tossed me into the barbed wire at the end. Even though it was rushed, we, we still had to kind of get it done. You got to get that stuff, you know, when you, when you got live TV, you got to make it happen. And then uh, August 14th on Dynamite, um, sorry, August 3rd on Dynamite versus Wheeler Yuta. And this, of course, is to set up for Quake by the Lake against Moxley. And had a great match with Wheeler as well. That was a lot of fun. Uh, another four-star match. It's pretty rare for me not to get four-star matches, according to Dave Meltzer this year, which I guess is another reason why uh, it's a career year for in his mind and in mine. A couple things about that match is I was uh, taping The Masked Singer at that point in time. So I had gone from L.A. to Columbus to uh, do this match and then flew back to L.A. right afterwards to continue and the other thing was I lost my big toenail in that match against Wheeler. And I don't really know exactly why. I don't remember what happened. Uh, and that's another funny thing about pro wrestling is that you have all these crazy matches and do all these things. And then your toenail falls off and you don't even remember how it happened. It didn't stub my toe. Maybe it was off a moonsault or something. But yeah, it, so the toenail fell off uh, and my toe was hard to walk. 
and I had to do be in the inside that giant bride costume. If you saw me on the Mass Singer, walking around with like what I thought was a broken toe, so that added to the uh, ridiculousness of that costume as well. And then, of course, Quake by the Lake, Dynamite, Minneapolis, Minnesota, August tenth, and what a war I had with Moxley! Another to me great match. It was four and three quarter stars for the interim uh, championship. Uh, AEW World Championship, which of course led to uh, the return of CM Punk, and because um, he had been hurt, and then when the summer was over, and he came back, and people just went nuts for it, and I had the Jericho Appreciation Society all take bumps for him, and then he came in with me, and I said, uh, "You can see, I, I, I charge at him with the belt." He hits me, he hits me again. You see me pointing to my throat to clothesline me over the top rope to the floor. And we didn't quite have enough momentum. Nobody's fault. It just I called it on the fly. We didn't have the, the amount of momentum. So when I, I I got stuck, and he gave me a little bit of an extra shove to go over, and that's when I bruised my larynx. Total accident, no issue whatsoever. It just was the wrong place at the right time, and my throat was just caught in the middle. And dude, I could not swallow. Um, it was terrible. I couldn't even drink water that night. And the crazy thing was I had just been eliminated from the mass Singer uh, under controversial circumstances. I think one of the original ideas was I was going to be on for another couple of weeks. I wouldn't have been able to because I got hit in the throat and I couldn't sing. I did go back for one last performance, but that was a couple of weeks afterwards. And I was singing in a lower range, but, but the larynx was bruised at the end of that match uh, at Quake by the Lake. But and on top of that, I got my head, forehead cut open when I took a bump into the exposed post, which was the finish, and I really hit the exposed post. So there you go, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know, sometimes when you go to hit these posts, you're not supposed to really hit it, but I did. So I ended up with, gosh, I was a mess, 12 stitches and a bruised larynx, and I had no uh, uh, toenail and, and barbed wire everywhere. I had cut my leg, and I... Uh, the, the Barbara Ever, that's when I gave Eddie a code breaker where he was holding the chair and the chair came down right on my nose. So I was a mess over the course of those, what, two weeks or three weeks. My wife was furious. She's like, you got to stop this. Yeah, from, from, uh, from July 20th to August 10th, I had a broken nose. I had stitches in my leg. I had stitches in my forehead. I had bruised larynx and no toenail. So there you go. Wrestling is, is, is fake, ladies and gentlemen. Well, not that, uh, not that three weeks, but I love that match with Mox. Once again, another match that could easily have been four stars, or sorry, five stars, if you want to call it that, uh, five stars to me, but it was four and three quarters for, uh, for Big Dave. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Then we go to uh, All Out. Of course, we all know what happened at All Out, September 4th in Chicago. I worked with Brian Danielson. We had never really had a, a single match of merit before. We had a couple shorter matches but never anything you know that could be deemed classic. And this one wasn't classic. It was good, 
but I think we tried just a little bit too hard. The one we had the following week was, was a barn burner of all barn burners to me. But um, this one, it, we just tried a little bit too hard, maybe. Uh, and it was good. Don't get me wrong. It was good. But, but, but I find sometimes that happens. Sometimes you work with someone for the first time, like Eddie Kingston, and you have just this amazing, incredible chemistry. And sometimes you get pitted with a guy that you should have amazing chemistry with, and it takes one or two matches to get into the groove. With Brian, it took one match. The same thing happened with Okada and I back in 2019, I think. The match was probably the, the worst rated four-star match of all time. People bagged on that match, and it was still a good match. But sometimes the expectations don't live up to what you actually, what you actually see. Uh, it's like when I first saw Tim Burton's Batman, the expectations were built up so high in my mind that nothing could ever uh, could ever live up to it. So the good news is, I mean, like I said, the Chicago match was was a good one. But the next one that we had in Albany, New York, that one was the barn burner. That was on September 14th. And of course, we had to do this because after All Out with the whole punk situation, then the title gets... Um, stripped so they have to find a new champion so it was a four-man tournament i believe which was sammy versus mox and jericho versus danison which led to danison versus mox which led to mox becoming the true world champion but the one that we had in albany was incredible now uh, that one was you know four and a half stars according to dave it could have just easily been five and um it was funny because i, I came back as lionheart for the uh, all-out match and anytime I lose a match, people say it's amazing. Anytime I win a match, it's Jericho bearing the young guys. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the first Danielson match that I won uh, got bagged on a bit. The second one when I lost was like, oh, that's the great match. That's the one. That's the one. So, And it was. It was an excellent match. And we were fighting for our lives at that time. There was so much bad publicity on the company and kind of a black cloud, a haze hanging over it. And dude, we were uh, we were fighting back. You know, we 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 uh, kind of took charge, Mox and Brian and I, and kind of you know let everyone know that the sky wasn't falling, that things happen, and and we just got to keep the show rolling. And I think those following nights that we had in Buffalo and Albany really kind of reset the company in the in the best possible way. And having that match with Brian Danielson was 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 one of them. So, uh, and I remember after working with Brian the first time. I was like, where have you been all my life? Like, how crazy has it been that we've been, you know, in this, in, in working, you know, together in this business, but never actually having matches like this. And this also started this string of about eight weeks that I was on TV every week, uh, wrestling matches, which is not usually the case. I mean, this year, I think I wrestled double the matches I've had, uh, in the last five years. Um, if you look at, you know, September 4th, September 14th, and then 21st, 28th, 5th, 12th, 18th, 26th, 2nd. Uh, so there's a run of just match after match after match. And that's when I think I really started cementing this, you know, great year of 2022. And some people were saying, oh, well, Jericho's a, a, a wrestler of the year candidate. Well, I am a three-time wrestler of the year uh, in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, 2008, 2009, and 2019. So listen. It wouldn't surprise me as a, I could be a candidate. I mean, I am a candidate. I think with this kind of late career resurgence and all these different uh, styles of matches I was having and am having that, that turned up really good. Uh, we, we go to Dynamite on September 21st. That was in New York City uh, at the um, Arthur Ashe 
uh, stadium there. And that was versus Claudio, where I became the ROH champion in New York City. And once again, I worked with Claudio a bunch of times in WWE, but it had been a while. And I think we just had a great match, great chemistry, and a big surprise that uh, that I was able to, to win that match at Grand Slam. I don't think people really expected it. And my goal was, as soon as I won, is that, excuse me, I need to make this Ring of Honor title mean something. There's a lot of titles on our show, and a lot of them are just there. And as soon as, as Tony said he wanted me to be the champ, I was like, that's great, but I'm going to make this title the second most important title in the company besides the AEW World Championship. And I think in a lot of ways I've done that. And uh, working with Claudio, where I kept trying to cheat and finally it worked, I think a lot of people didn't expect that. And they certainly didn't expect um, the Ring of Jericho era to begin, or they didn't expect the Ocho, which was Tony Khan's name. So yeah, I went from, I think, uh, the beginning of the year, from Le Champion to the Demo God to, uh, I mean, I think it was, you know, attendance is mandatory, was one of the catchphrases I was trying to get over, uh, GFY, which of course is go fuck yourself, and then Mox actually said that on live TV, so that one didn't work. And there's a couple other kind of uh, catchphrases I was trying, and Tony came up with the Ocho, and that one stuck. But the thing was, I just had the wizard that was just getting over, and I kind of had to switch back over to the Ocho. So maybe I got to switch back over to the to the, to the wizard uh, at some point here as well. But uh, yeah, having that match with Claudio for Grand Slam was awesome, and it really started a whole new era for Chris Jericho. And once again, started this string of really great matches that I was having week after week after week. And we'll get to the first title defense I had as the Ring of Honor uh, champion in the Ring of Jericho era after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, we continue the career year of Chris Jericho 2022. And I had the idea of desecrating the uh, legend of the Ring of Honor uh, championship. And that's what we kind of thought. Well, maybe Tony and I were thinking we could bring back some of the former champions and who's available, who's around. Kind of went through a bunch of different ideas and names and thoughts. And do we use guys that are in AW? Do we do some stunt casting kind of like we did when we brought back Juventud Guerrero and that sort of a thing? So I can't remember who we were originally thinking about. Uh, doing a match with and then Tony had the idea of Bandito and I had heard a lot about Bandito but I had never seen any of his matches so I watched some of his matches I think on the Monday uh, and we had him there uh, for the Dynamite that we did uh, September 28th and it was one of those ones where I didn't ever uh, once again like I just said I hadn't seen him before we were in Philly we thought Bandito would be good for the crowd and I'll tell you what once again similar to the Eddie Kingston match, never had a match against this guy ever. And we tore the fricking house down. One of my favorite matches of the year. I thought it was five stars. I don't even know what the rating was, but just going out there with this guy and not knowing anything about him, but he's, he's, he's such a great flyer and he's got such power. And I said, he, he held, he held me up for the standing suplex. I think for like 60 seconds 
and the blood was all rushed into my head and I could barely hold on. And he is so strong that when he finally brought me down, people started going nuts. And that's when we had him. And we did a whole bunch of crazy stuff. I took a hurricane run off the apron and I took the, the, the jumping kind of backwards moonsault power slam. I took his, his uh, German suplex off the ropes. And it was just one of those matches where everything was just going so well. And I spun his mask around and uh, had him tap out to the walls. And man, as soon as we got back to the curtain, I said to Tony, we need to sign this guy. And that's what we did. It took a while to actually get him to commit. But man, we signed him and I see big things in the future for Bandito. And even without a mask, he's a really good looking guy, uh, kayfabe, without the mask on. But just his his combination of his his moveset, his unique moveset, creative moveset, his high flying and his power. I mean, he held me up for the gorilla press and dropped his hands. He was holding up with one hand. And it was just like where has this guy been once again? Like, I just couldn't believe how good he was. Uh, and the fact that we hadn't signed him. And so I'm not sure exactly, like I said, who the original plan was, but when Tony came up with the idea of bandito, it was like, that is absolutely perfect. So what a great match. And once again, you're talking about, you know, uh, this high flying Lucha Libre style match that was different from the match I had with Claudio. It was different from the match I had with Danielson, different from the bar wire match or cage matches or anarchy in the arena matches, all these different types of matches. And then that led to another kind of just a, a good match with uh, Sammy versus Danielson and Garcia. Uh, that's when we kind of had the mixed tags there. That was in Washington on October 5th. It wasn't bad. Uh, it was more of a storyline match than it was an actual like a highlight match. That was another match, too, that we were rushed. We were on in the main event and we had to we had to cut it short towards the end uh, because, you know, once again, it's live TV and you got to go when you got to go. So. That's kind of what we did there, and uh, and I think that was leading to more of the of the Danny Garcia Danielson story, uh, and you had that. We had that before the uh, before the Forbidden Door once again, where we did the the tag match with Lance Archer and Tanahashi. So uh, you have those kind of uh, sometimes you have to do a match once again just for storytelling purposes. So then we go to Toronto, October twelfth. Brian Danielson again. That was another match that was uh, a little bit rushed, but still great. I think it was second out of the three that we had, uh, according to Dave's match rating. It was four stars. Um, I think it was four and a half for the second one and four stars for the first one. So in his mind, he, I'm not sure how he had them. But for me, it was the Albany match was the, my favorite. The Toronto was second and the uh, Chicago was third. And once again, I think I did the Lionheart in Toronto, our first time ever in Toronto. Crowd was going crazy. And that was funny, too, because I was coming out to Lionheart. So I came out to to the White Zombie song, um, Electric Head Part 2. So the first time we we're in Toronto, I was like, oh, this is kind of a mistake because I'm coming out as Lionheart. So I can't use Judas. And the crowd was like, screw it. We're just going to sing Judas on our own. So if you watch that match. The first five minutes of the match, I think we're brawling outside or something along those lines. Everyone's singing Judas anyways. They don't care. They, they wanted Judas and they got Judas uh, for sure. So uh, that was uh, another great moment. We had two shows in Toronto. So the next night, my original idea was to do three uh, matches uh, against Ring of Honor former champions. And it, one was going to be Dalton Castle. There was something about him I liked. Uh, another one was, I, like I said, I can't remember who the original idea was besides Bandito. And then the other one I was trying for was PCO. It didn't work. He's working for uh, TNA. 
impact and he's also got hurt um had some issues and we just couldn't work that out which is where the she match came in which i'll talk about later but we did do dalton castle that was in cincinnati on october 18th and what another great match that was another guy that i had never worked with and i thought it would be more fun to do some kind of flamboyant type stuff using the boys which was great because you know i had jake and we had given him the purple hat which has now gotten over huge as i knew it would i like this hat and I had the boys take his hat off, and that's when he just freaked out and started going nuts over the hat. And it was funny because when we needed some extra boys because, um, you know, we wanted a little bit more of a flurry towards the end. And all the guys, all the extras that week were just big guys, and the boys are kind of smaller. So little known fact, Serpentico was one of the boys that night. There you go, little little fact there. But Dalton with his charisma, his ring entrance, I knew it would get over huge. Uh, the chain of running the guys around. Uh, the ringside was hilarious. Once again, another guy, he, he was on the first Jericho cruise, but I'd never really seen any of his matches. So I watched a couple of his matches and saw this wicked stuff that he did and a lot of character stuff. The character stuff is so important with him. And I thought, this is so great. Let's let's do it, you know? So um, it was a lot of fun. I really, really dug that match. And, and he's a good worker and he knows his character. And that's and it's different. It's unique. Uh, something, once again, when you, when you can do something that's never been done before, that's when you can really make your mark uh, in the business. And that's what uh, Dalton Castle did. So another really fun match. And I really enjoyed that promo when he called me a silly goose. Is that what it was? A silly goose in Toronto. And people loved it. You know, he's insulting me in Toronto and, and people are, are, are uh, cheering him for it. So uh, another really cool match and different and something that like I wouldn't have been able to do normally. But when I decided to try this desecrate any former champion from Ring of Honor, it gave us this whole collection of guys that I could work with that would be different from the norm. Uh, it, it also got Bandito a job and it got Dal Dalton Castle a job as well. So getting these guys contracts, as Booker T used to say, and of course, they, they earn their own contracts, but it was cool to give them a spotlight to where they could really show what they could do. And both those guys did that. So nothing but respect for Bandito and nothing but respect for Dalton Castle. I enjoyed both those matches, completely different styles and completely different ways as well. Then we went to another tag match in Norfolk, Virginia, which was Danny Garcia and I versus Claudio and Yuta. And I think that was another, uh, another one to kind of build Claudio up as a challenger for the ring of honor championship. And as you can tell, we're getting ready to do this big match, uh, at, at final battle uh, on December 10th. And if Claudio wins, he becomes the Ring of Honor champion. If he loses, he has to join the Jericho Appreciation Society. And maybe he can yodel. Maybe he can do some yodeling. He can be a Swiss banker or whatever the hell he's going to do. So we don't know what it's going to be, but Claudio has beaten me twice now because we're building him up as this, as this challenger. So uh, he did get the big win uh, against me on that dynamite. And that's when he did the... Uh, that's when Claudio ran wild outside, came in and basically just pinned me. Uh, he did this really great kind of, once again, the Johnny Hungy comeback where he hit this guy and nailed that guy and hit this guy and nailed that guy, jumped at the top rope, nailed me and, and pinned me one, two, three, um, which I thought was a really good way to kind of build him. It was another great match that uh, another four stars, I can't, I get four and a half, no, four stars. We're just getting stars after stars after stars here. 
So then we go to uh, Dynamite on uh, November 2nd, and that's from Baltimore, and that's against Colt Cabana. And once again, we wanted to bring Colt back onto the show, reintroduce him. Uh, he had a pretty rough year as well. Former, uh, former Ring of Honor champion and uh, always enjoyed his work, a, a very solid worker. Uh, and it was fun to have him back. Uh, and that's the reason why I came back uh, solely was just because we wanted to have him on the show and reintroduce him. Um, and he hadn't been on TV for a while. And the funny thing was, he told the story where he almost died. He bought the wrong type of socks. He bought compression socks instead of normal socks. And I guess that was, it was limiting his blood flow to where when he came back from the ring, he was about ready to pass out until he took his socks off. So there you go. Uh, once again, we had people thinking, uh, at one point in the match that he was going to win, he was going to beat me and become the ring of honor champion. So yeah, Colt was always another guy that we had talked about doing something with as well. Colt, and Dalton Castle and PCO, but PCO wasn't going to work out. So we used Bandito. I think that's what it was. And then we go, we're getting ready for full gear, which of course I'll talk about in a second, but to, to build up full gear, it was Jericho and Sammy versus Brian Danison and Claudio. And once again, had the idea where, what if I try and charge Claudio with the bat? He gives me the giant swing like 20 times. And then he puts me into the sharpshooter and I try and hit him with the bat and he takes the sharpshooter and holds it over his shoulder like Paul Bunyan with the axe as I tap out. So now Claudio has beaten me twice uh, as we continue to tell the story that he is kind of the guy, he's, he's the best chance of beating me for the Ring of Honor Championship. And that's the storytelling that we did. Uh, the cool thing was the idea originally was to do me and Claudio at full gear. One other idea was to do me and Brian at full gear for the Ring of Honor title. Then Tony had the idea of doing a three-way, Brian versus Claudio versus Jericho. We still weren't quite feeling it. And then Tony, once again, he really is a smart guy. Uh, he won the Booker of the Year for a reason. He came up with the idea of putting Sammy in there and making it a four-way. Now we have to figure out how does that work storyline-wise, and, and we got it. It's like I was telling the story that sooner or later the Blackpool Combat Club are going to turn on each other. Uh, they won't be able to withstand the pressure. And when they do, they're going to take each other out. And then I got my own guy to get the, to, to watch my back. And then when they take each other out, Sam, you'll do the right thing and let me beat him. And it was that simple. And then we have a story and we have a little bit of intrigue going into the match. You know, obviously it's going to be Jericho and Sammy versus Claudio and Brian. But what happens if at some point it ends up being Jericho and Sammy? Or what happens if some point it ends up being Claudio uh, and Brian? And that's what happened in that match. I really, really enjoyed that match for so many reasons. Because once again, you show up, you start going over the match. What is it that we're going to do? You know, what, what, what do we have here that we can do to make this work? And that's kind of... As long as you have a story, you can make anything happen. And that crowd in Newark totally loved the story. And what a great moment when, you know, I tell Sammy, don't do anything. When I hit Brian with the, with the Death Valley driver, with the FU, and Sammy doesn't do it. And then later, a couple seconds later, I, I moonsault him and Claude at the same time. Don't have any regard for Sammy whatsoever. And now Sammy's a little pissed. And when I hit uh, Claudio with whatever hit him with, Sammy pulls me off. And suddenly he and I get into it. And that moment where he pulled me off and I just kind of stare at him was such a great moment. And then we start going at it. And then next thing you know, it leads to, to Sammy turning on me. And when he hit me with that shooting star press from the top rope, everybody in the building thought for sure 
that Sammy was going to be the new Ring of Honor champion. It would have been a perfect place for it. And he was originally thinking about doing like a Swanton. I said, no, nah, Swanton doesn't really get the reaction because he never really, he never really, really hit it. You know, it's always either you land on the guy where it totally crushes him or you just hit with your head. I said, do the shooting star press. It's a prettier move. You're going to land with some power. So, yeah. So uh, we shook hands and he pulled me in and he gave me the, the go to hell, the GTH. And then suddenly he gives me the shooting star press and it's a one and it's a 2.9. And everyone for sure thought he was going to be the winner. And then Brian and Claudio did a great sequence where they were uh, fighting against each other and we thought that those guys were, were going to be one of the champions and, of course, leads to the giant swing or hit Claudio with the Judas and then hit Claudio with the Judas again full force and get the victory. So it was just a, a great match. Um, and and once again, just a different type of match. This, this, this four-way and four-ways, you know, the, the, they can be hard, but we really had it set up perfectly. And... Once again, it could be one of the best matches on the show. I mean, it seems to be, I always said I would continue to wrestle. Uh, I won't have the best match on the show every night, but I have the potential to have the best match on any given night. And some of these matches that I've told you about definitely uh, were in that category. So I don't know what the star rating for that was. Once again, a great match. It could be five. I mean, my star ratings are probably a little bit more biased, <laughs> but my, my star rating also goes by... How was the crowd? How do I feel when the match is done? And I felt tremendous when uh, when that match was finished. So, uh, just a, just a great great moment. Uh, and then three days later, guess what? It's Tomohiro Ishii, which might be the best match I've had all year. And we'll talk about that when we come back on Talk Is Jericho. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, so uh, the last match that I'm going to be talking about today was Jericho versus Tomohiro Ishii. And what a war that was. I'll give you a little bit of background how that happened. So we're looking for one more uh, Ring of Honor uh, former champion to work with leading into final battle in Chicago because we, we kind of had a week to, I guess you'd say a free week, and I wanted to do another match with an with a outside guy. So we had a couple ideas. One uh, was PCO once again, and then he um, he wasn't available. The other idea we had was Chris Hero, but he wasn't available either. Couldn't uh, couldn't do the gig. And same thing with Dragon Lee was another idea that Tony had, and he couldn't make it. I was like, does anybody want to wrestle me? Is there anybody? And we were thinking maybe we could use Chris Daniels. Uh, I suggested Samoa George, Jay Lethal, but they're in different programs. And finally, Tony once again. These smart ideas that he has says, what about Ishii? And I was like, that is great. Once again, hadn't really watched a lot of his matches, but I just like the concept of Ishii and Jericho, especially with our history. And what I was saying on, T on, on Dynamite is true. Ishii was a young boy which in Japanese terms, they're like the rookies that hang around uh, ringside. You see them if you watch any Japanese matches and their job is to set up the ring and they take care of the foreigners and they just, they basically are earning their, their stripes and paying their dues 
to get into the business. And Ishii was a young boy for Genshiro Tenru in WAR when I was there in 96. And Ishii told me that he was there, got fired, and then they brought him back. So he wasn't even having actually having any matches when I was there with him. But he was one of the, the rookies, you know, and he did... Uh, carry my bags a couple times, you know, just help out. Not like he's carrying my bags around the city of Tokyo or anything, but, you know, helping you get into the venue and all that sort of thing. And I remember this. And when I saw him, when I went back to New Japan in 2018, he was working there and I was like, oh my gosh, that's him. I didn't even put two and two together. So he's been AW a couple times, but when he uh, was suggested to me to, by Tony to wrestle, I was like, the story is right there. I mean, this is perfect. Plus, he's a hard-hitting guy. And once again, let me do something completely different that people won't expect. Because the, the the secret to having good matches is you don't try and have your opponent wrestle your match. You wrestle your opponent's match. And that's the way to do it. So, you know, I wrestled Bandito's match with him. I try and wrestle Claudio's style. Try and wrestle Brian's style. Uh, Brian's a little different because he does the same thing that I do. So you're kind of just working together. But, you know, with Ishii, I said, let's just go beat the crap out of each other. And I had this idea, same idea I had with Mox. We did Quick by the Lake for commercial break, the, the picture in picture. You know, you want to do something exciting, but it's a small little picture, but you still got, you know, 5,000 people, 10,000 people in the arena. So you want to keep it exciting for them. So with Mox at Quick by the Lake, I said, let me put you in the walls of Jericho and let's just hold it through the whole commercial break. And some people are like, oh, that's just prostituting your finish. My finish has been prostituted so many times. It was more of the drama. If you do something, people will pop and then they'll they'll quiet down. But if you keep it on long enough, they'll come back again. And that's exactly what happened. So in the same spirit with Ishii, I thought, let's just like Brian and I and Mox and I were just like chopping each other a hundred times. I think that the match I had with Brian, the second one, my, my chest was just a sickening grayish brown for like a week. We had chopped each other so many times and it worked. And I, I, I thought with Ishii, let's just have a chop war throughout the whole commercial break. And we're in Chicago and that's exactly what happened. We, we, we chopped each other. They were excited and then they quieted down. And then when they realized what we were doing, when they, we came back from break, they were just going absolutely insane. And I thought, this is so cool. And we're really not doing anything. We're just, you know, hard hitting, beating each other up, which was a blast. So we, you know, she doesn't speak any English. So we had a little bit of help from, from Michael Nakazawa and a little bit of help from Rocky Romero. But, you know, I've been in Japan so many times. You don't really need to speak English. You just kind of go through some things. And she had a couple of really great ideas and combined with a few ideas I had. But my favorite thing that he did was, was I give him a German. He pops up and screams. It's a strong style. He gives me a German. I pop up and scream. I give him another German. And then I'm just going to give him a moon salt, the lion salt. But I said, when I, when I, when I German you, you have to kind of end up in the middle of the ring somewhere. And I remember him saying, well, like I'll, I'll, I'll get up and sell and fall down or something like this. What he did was he was out of position. So he got up like he was going to scream at me again and then just fell down in position for the moonsault, which I just thought was so good. Like German, get up and ah, German me, I get up and ah, I do it to him. He goes, ah, and then it falls down. Which I just, what a great moment. Such a little subtle thing that I just loved. And of course, he's in the walls. He sneaks out. I punch him in the face a couple of times. I put him in the lion tamer and I'm just cranking it in. He gives me the finger. And when I crank it in even more, he taps out with that same finger. And it's like just little things like that. Kevin Owens and I did something like that. Um, I believe at WrestleMania, maybe. But just I really, really loved working with him. And 
doesn't speak English. I don't speak Japanese, but you don't have to. You know when you're having a great match. You know, and it's not like a lot of, you know, it's not like we've pushed Ishii where people know exactly who he is. It's not like it's the, the great Muda or Jushin Liger or something. It's like some people might know him, but other people just saw this guy and, you know, like some haters like, oh, he looks like a big potato. It's like, well, f he's tough as nails and people got into that match. And it was such a great match, you know, blood on my chest, coming down on the chest, having this chop war with the visual of the blood. And I just really came out of that match so happy and so excited about, about that, about that, that contest and about, you know, it's basically capping off the year, you know, I mean, we have the, the final battle match. There's a chance for another great match there. And then we're pretty much at the end of the year. You know what I mean? So um, I just thought, what a great way to start the year of 2022, basically, with this awesome single match with Eddie Kingston, and then end the year of 2022 with this awesome single match with Tomohiro Ishii, two different style matches with all these other stories that we've told. And, and people sometimes get on, get on my case, oh, we're still doing Black Bull Combat Club versus Jericho Appreciation Society. Hey, it's a good story. A story is a story, and all the matches have been different, all the combinations have been different, and every week you've gotten quality performances from everybody involved. So what are you complaining about? What's the rush? There's no rush. You know, and there hasn't even really been that many repeat matches. I mean, Brian and I had three matches, singles, and a couple tags, and we're done. He's going off with, with MJF, it looks like, and I'm going off to whichever, you know, Claudio and whoever's after that. You know, Claudio and I have some matches. Well, geez, they're great matches. And we haven't touched each other for eight years. And Brian and I had never had any matches of merit in WWE, a couple really short ones. So it's like I, people make me laugh sometimes when they, we want storytelling. We want great matches. And you get storytelling, great matches. And they're, and they're complaining that the stories are too long. <laughs> so once again, it just goes to show that, that as long as the stuff is good and as long as the matches are good, the people will be there. The ratings have been great. I mean, the Ishii match was on Thanksgiving Eve. Everyone was expecting the show to bomb. The show not only did not bomb, it beat the week before, and the Ishii match was the second highest demo of the night. Ishii versus Jericho on Thanksgiving evening. So once again, as long as you tell great stories and give quality matches, you'll always get ratings and always have people uh, that are enjoying it. So I appreciate all of you for enjoying the matches this year, whether you thought it was a five-star match or a four-star match or whatever. Who cares about the stars? Did you like it? That's all that matters. Did, did it entertain you? That's all that matters. And I think for me, once again, with all these matches I've, I've, I've named, and you know, there were years when I was working 200 matches a year. And this year I worked, as of right now, 26 matches. But all of them meant something. They're all quality matches with a meaning behind them. And no, you know, uh, Sunday afternoon in Poughkeepsie, you know, nothing against the fine people of Poughkeepsie, but every match was on TV, a main event, a pay-per-view main event, a pay-per-view uh, uh, cornerstone. So it was just a, a great year for me. And will I have a better year than this? Well, you always try. But I'll tell you what, at 51, if this ends up being one of the best years of my career uh, overall, I can't, uh, well, I'm 52 now. I, I can't even, um, I can't even believe it, but I don't feel 52. I feel 32 with the experience of 52. And like I said, as long as I can continue having matches that could possibly be the best of the night, then I'll continue to, uh, to do what I'm doing. So thanks to all you guys. And I hope you had a great 2022 
I know we still got a few weeks left, but essentially uh, I wanted to do this show. I had some time here in Melbourne. And like I said, I've got probably one match left or maybe two matches left. But other than that, this year is a wrap for me. And um, like I said, I've enjoyed every minute of it. And I think after the pulmonary embolism, I learned never take anything for granted and always appreciate where you are and what you're doing. And it made me love wrestling more than ever. And, you know, people say, how long are you going to keep going? I don't know. I could stop, you know, next week. I could stop a year from now. Sting is still having banger matches at 63. So, you know, if you think I'm having a great year, look at his year. I bet you if, if, if Sting had a podcast where he just wanted to talk about himself for an hour, he's far too humble to do that. He could he could probably have a show with as many highlights as I did because every match I see of him, he always does something great and the matches are always good too. So it just goes to show it's not age, it's the passion that you have and the fire that you have and the desire. So um, thank you for being there for this wonderful year. And I look forward to 2023 and continuing this streak. Uh, and we appreciate you. Uh, and we thank you. And I thank you uh, for joining me on this journey. Have a great Christmas and a great holiday season.